I'm back again, I guess, uh, round three. We'll see how this goes. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the episodes thus far. Welcome back to the Unfounded Podcast. My name is Christopher Turner. I am your host, uh, and I hope you're doing good. I hope you're staying safe and healthy out there. Um, and I, I'm just really, really feeling this right now. I'm really vibing this podcast. Um, I've really enjoyed listening back to the last two episodes. Um, like, I like where the topics are headed, and I think they're remarkably relevant for what's going on modern day. So I'm going to continue because I, like I said, I feel like I'm on a roll here. So, <clears throat> um, today without further ado, again, what it's been 24 hours again since my last podcast, nothing much has changed in my life. Uh, I did go to home Depot today. I I'm getting closer. I'm not procrastinating as bad on uh, my packing, right? I've got all the boxes. I even went and got like, like last time I moved, I didn't have a, uh, like the dish separation kit thing, you know? So I just used like paper and I, I, you know, broke like two or three glasses. I broke, you know, you always break something in the move, but I, I broke a lot of plates and shit. So didn't want to do that again. I got one of those little kits, you know, it's like nine bucks for like cardboard and like foam, but whatever. Uh, anyway, got that, got some boxes and directly immediately after this podcast, I'm going to be knocking out a whole bunch of packing. So, uh, <laughs> I've done like a little bit, actually, no, not really. I mean, I'm saying I, I'm trying to convince myself I have, but I haven't, uh, I've been planning in my head more than anything else, <laughs> but I'm going to knock a lot out today. I will knock a lot out today, right? It's procrastination thing, son of a bitch. Anyway, let's, uh, like I said, let's roll right into it. Um, so, uh, we're still on our topic of the seven deadly sins, right? Um, hope you've been enjoying this thus far. I found yesterday's episode incredibly relevant, especially listening back to it. Um, I think the, the world, there's a lot of sloth that's kind of enticing people today. Uh, it's a really easy way that you, you find, uh, people slipping into the darkness i think another one and one that for me resonates a lot more is wrath and that's the one we're going to talk about today <clears throat> um as i've said before in the previous episodes like I, I i've had a very what i consider a pretty serious anger problem in the past uh it's because it, for me from my perspective it was uncontrolled at a point there was a point where i i fell out of control or I can feel out of control. Wrath will do that to you. Let's start with this and let's read about it a little bit on Wikipedia. So, wrath, Latin ira, can be defined as uncontrolled feelings of anger, rage, and even hatred. Wrath often reveals itself in the wish to seek vengeance. In its purest form, wrath presents with injury, violence, and hate that may provoke feuds that can go on for centuries. Wrath may persist long after the person who did did another grievous wrong is dead. Feelings of wrath can manifest in different ways, including impatience. <laughs> I am one of the most impatient person people you will ever meet. It's like a primal part of my nature. It's just I'm impatient. Go, 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 go. That's me. Hateful misanthropy. What is that? I don't know what that is. Come on, let me go over here. Uh, misanthropy is the general hatred, dislike, distrust, or contempt of the human species or human nature. <laughs> Uh, a misan- and misanthrope or misanthropist is uh, someone who holds such views or feelings. The word's origin is from the Greek word. Can't read that. <laughs> the condition is often confused with this uh, asociality. Okay. Revenge and self-destructive behavior such as drug abuse or suicide. All right. So uh, this is a scary one. Wrath is really scary. Like, uh, Let's just continue reading and we'll talk about it more in depth, obviously. Uh, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the neutral act of anger becomes a sin of wrath when it is directed. Ag- oh, so anger is not considered positive or negative. It's merely neutral. That's interesting. 
becomes a sin of wrath when it is directed against an innocent person. Mmm. When it's spread... Oh, it's so fascinating. Okay. When it is unduly strong or long-lasting, or when it desires excessive punishment. Huh. If anger reaches the point of a deliberate desire to kill or seriously wound a neighbor, it is gravely against charity. It is a mortal sin. Hatred is the sin of desiring that someone else may suffer misfortune or evil, and it is a mortal sin when one desires grave harm. Yeah. People feel angry when they sense that they are someone they care about they or someone they care about has been offended. When they are certain about the nature and cause of the angry event angering event, when they are certain someone else is responsible, and when they feel they can still influence the situation or cope with it. In our introduction that, that didn't make any sense. Let me read that one more time. I think so, whoever's writing this, there's it doesn't make it doesn't they might be anyway. People feel angry when they sense that they or someone they care about has been offended. When they are certain about the nature and cause of the angering event, when they are certain someone else is responsible, and when they feel they can still influence the situation or cope with it. Okay, so they're trying to differentiate between anger and wrath, and the, I, I guess the differentiation they're making here is that um, they understand the nature of the event. Uh, the feeling is somewhat justified, right? But they they know that someone is responsible for it, but they feel like they can still have control over the situation. Um, is when people feel angry, I guess, is what this is trying to say. In her introduction to Purgatory, Dorothy L. Sayers describes wrath as love of justice, perverted to revenge and spite. Exactly. So, so it's, it's, it's a perverted version of anger, right, it, it, that, that wants unjust, like it wants to tip the scales in an unjust way. In accordance with Henry Edward, angry people are slaves to themselves. Exactly. Okay, so... Um, there's a lot to unpack there, even though it was a fairly short little passage relative to yesterday's, right? <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and just uh, kind of pull out, because like I said, wrath for me is one of the ones I struggle with the most and I have in the past. Uh, and one of the ways that it manifests the most in me is an impatience. Um, and I'm going to pull up the impatience page. Just, I'm curious to see what's on there. Um, let's see here. Oh, this is interesting. They have all the religious perspectives here. So let's let's uh, let's read the religious perspectives. For, this is actually for patience. Judaism. Patience and fortitude are prominent themes in Judaism. The Talmud extols patience as an important personal trait. The story of Mika, for example, is that he suffers many challenging conditions and yet endures, saying, I will wait for the God who saves me. Patience is God, it is said, will aid believers in finding the strength to be delivered from the evils that are inherent in the physical life. In the Hebrew Torah, patience is referred to in several proverbs, such as the patient man shows much good sense, but the quick-tempered man displays folly at its heights. Proverbs 14.29 An ill-tempered man stirs up strife, but a patient man allays discord. (laughs) Proverbs uh, 15.18 And a patient man is better than a warrior, and he who rules his temper than he who takes a city. Let me read that one more time. A patient man is better than a warrior, and he who rules his temper than he who takes a city. Proverbs 16.32. The emotion is also discussed in other sections, such as uh, Ecclesiastes, I can't pronounce this ever, Ecclesiastes, um, better is the patient spirit than the lofty spirit. Do not in spirit become quickly discontented, for discontent lodges in the bosom of a fool. (laughs) Don't allow anger to build out of impatience. Christianity. In the Christian religion, patience is one of the most valuable virtues of life. Increasing patience is viewed as the work of the Holy Ghost in the Christian in the Christian who has accepted the gift of salvation. 
Well, patience is not one of the traditional biblical three theological virtues, nor one of the traditional cardinal virtues. It is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. According to the Apostle Paul in his epistle of the Galatians, patience was included in later formulations of the seven virtues. In the Christian Bible, patience is referred to in several sections. The book of Proverbs uh, notes that through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. (laughs) Oh, God, these are powerful, aren't they? Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Proverbs 25, 14 through 16. Ecclesiastes is one of 24 books of the Tanakh, uh, which is uh, where it is classified as one of the uh, Ketuvim, Ketuvim writings. It's originally written in 450 to 200 BCE. It is a, also among the con- canonical wisdom literature of the Old Testament in most denominations of Christianity. Ecclesiastes I think that's how you pronounce it. Sorry, guys, if I'm not pronouncing it correctly. uh, Points out that the end of a matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. (laughs) Yeah. Whew. Ooh, yeah. Because impatience does lead to pride, doesn't it? And 1 Thessalonians states that we should be patient with all. See that no one returns evil for evil. Rather, always always seek what is good for each other and for all. That's Thessalonians 5, 14 through 15. In the epistle of James... The Bible urges Christians to be patient and see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth until it receives the early and the late rains, James 5 through 7 through 11. And in Galatians, patience is listed as part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law. Galatians 5 21 through 23. In Timothy, the Bible states that Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Timothy 1, 5 through 7, 15 through 17. <laughs> you can see that in Judaism and uh, in Christianity, both of these, this is a pillar. This is a central idea. Patience. Islam. Patience with the steadfast belief in Allah, in Allah is called uh, saber. One of the best virtues of, of life in Islam. Through Saber, a Muslim believes that an individual can grow closer to God and thus attain true peace. It is also stressed in Islam that Allah is with those who are patient, more specifically during calamity and suffering. Several verses in, in the Quran urge Muslims to seek Allah's help with face, when faced with fear and loss, with patient prayers and perseverance for Allah. For example, be sure we, we shall test you with something of fear and hunger. Some loss in goods or lives are the fruits of your toil, but give glad tidings to those who patiently preserve, who say, when afflicted with calamity, to Allah we belong, and to him is our return. It's Quran 155-156. Similarly, patience is mentioned in Hadith Sahih uh, Bukhari. Narrated Aisha, again, apologies if I mispronounce any of these. I asked Allah's uh, Rasul about the plague. He said, that was a means of torture with Allah used to send upon whom... That was a means of torture, which Allah used to send upon whomsoever he wished. But he made it a source of mercy for the believers. For anyone who is residing in a town in which this disease is present and remains there and does not leave that town, but has patience and hopes for Allah's reward, and knows that nothing will befall him except what Allah has written for him, then he shall get rewards as that of a martyr. Oh, 
That's a powerful passage right there as well. I don't know if you get how relevant that idea is. The plague. It's talking about a plague here, guys. You know what I mean? It's saying that people that act as if they are predetermined, that their destiny is predetermined, that God has a plan for them, uh, will be rewarded for that. Meaning that running in fear from something or trying to control something like a plague is sinful in nature. In Islamic tradition, illustrates a story where he demonstrates patience and steadfast belief in Allah. Again, apologies for the mispronunciation. Ibn Ibn uh, Kathir uh, narrates the story in the following manner: Job was a very rich per- uh, Job was a very rich person with much land and uh, many animals and children, all of which were lost. And soon he was struck with disease as a test from Allah. He remained steadfast and patient in his prayers to Allah. So Allah eventually relieved him of the disease, gave him double the money he lost, and raised to life twice the number of children who had died before him. What you see in the ideas of this, and a lot of people, this is uh, this is very reminiscent of Old Testament. Uh, stories uh, in Christianity, but what you'll find is um, there's this kind of uh, Old Testament God, there's a difference between the Old Testament God and the New Testament God, and the Old Testament God is, is usually, in the modern world, viewed as kind of harsh, right? You're not, he's not going to save you from anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's actually going to be the bringer of the floods. He's going to bring the bringer. He's going to wipe the slate clean, that kind of a thing, right? He's much more aggressive and, and, and interactive in the world, actually. That's another difference. Well, what this is saying in, in this, what this is, I'm pulling from this at least, uh, and this is what I'm saying. There's so many diff- similarities in these religions. It's, it's, it's eerie. Um, but the idea is that, like I said before, remaining steadfast and, 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 and not trying to run from, the reality of the world around him, but embracing it and doing the best with what he has, right? Acting as if there is a plan in motion, even when it appears as there is, there isn't one, uh, is where the reward comes from, right? Uh, there's something fundamentally true about that. Now, a lot of people get caught up in the, like the specifics of this, like, Oh, how am I going to get rewarded like that? I'm going to get like, God's going to come down and give me a pot of gold. Like, you know, they get like really sarcastic about it. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're I think there's a frustration inherent in these ideas, right? Because they're not easy to conceive and they're not easy to hold on to and they're not easy to in, in, implement in your life. You don't want to, right? And so there's this lashing out against any idea. And I think there's this sarcasm or this this undermining that we try to do with these ideas. Um, and we try to make them look or we'll try to undermine them because they're old or because uh, the people that, that uh, wrote them, you know, did a lot of evil shit too. You know what I mean? It's like, of course they did. They're people. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's a kernel of this idea that makes sense, you know? You know, you can see, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people were talking about Islam right now. I guess it's a time to bring it up, you know. Um, <clears throat> you know, obviously the world right now, and, and especially the Middle East, is in a lot of turmoil. Uh, a lot of Americans, at least, or a lot of the Western world, have this fear, I think, this inherent fear of Islam. Uh, I understand where it comes from. Obviously, there's been a lot of... Uh, a lot of things that have happened between our two cultures, clashes that have happened between two cultures that have ended in blood violence and suffering, right? And because of that, there's this hatred, this wrath that is developing between both sides. And we're trying to eliminate the other side as well. I think this is sinful. I think it's sinful on, and it's actually preached as sinful in Islam. It has to be, right? But I think there's also misinterpretation taking place, just like this is taking place all throughout history, right? I think... On, from the Western perspective, there's this fear, this unhealthy playing into fear of this religion and everything it preaches. It's making it out to be evil inherently instead of viewing it as every other religion, as, as, as kind of a piece of a whole. You know what I mean? 
but you can't deny kind of some of these, right? This this idea of faith is is obviously present in that little in that little passage. Um, but the agreement in in patience, right, and how it relates to faith and this path. What you'll notice in the virtues is just as in the in the in the sins, you find kernels of other virtues in virtues. It's weird. Like they all relate to each other. And when you combine the idea of all of them together, what you'll get is the idea of the perfect person. The representation of that in Christianity, excuse me, is uh, uh, Jesus Christ, right? In Islam, I believe it would be uh, Muhammad, right? And in Buddhism, it's Buddha. In Hinduism, I don't think there's a singular idea of it. It's, it's more like uh, God is a combination of gods. And that there's this, I, I know that there are, there's like a hierarchy. It's very complicated, Right? But the gods represent parts of life and that it's more incorporated all into one thing. Let's continue to read. Buddhism. In Buddhism, patience. Anyway, the re- actually, no, let's, let's hold on there. So the reason I bring that up, though, is because it's unhealthy, right? We need to view all of these things as, the same, as, as a, par- a piece of the whole, and we can't just exclude one of them because of what's going on currently in the world. There's a lot of suffering right now uh, surrounding this faith, and it's unfortunate, right? But it doesn't mean that the faith itself is the one that creates that suffering, right? People do that. People create suffering, right? People misled. People misinterpreting things. People forgetting who they are. People not listening uh, to people that have come before them. Or maybe people being misled by people that have come before them. But there's a whole combination of things that can happen that lead to evil acting in the world. Evil is insidious. People act thinking they're doing the right things, not because they want to make the world a worse place. Everybody does what they do with the best intentions. We have to be careful when we try to discard ideas or label things as too, too, this is obviously I'm speaking to the Western perspective here. We can't label something as, as, as taboo in that way. You can't engage with it because there is incredible depth and value in, in the ideas that are represented in Islam as well. Just like every other, other religion. Let's move on. Buddhism. In Buddhism, patience is one of the perfections. That a uh, bodhisattva, bodhisattva, sattva, bodhisattva, that's what it is. I've definitely heard this term before. Let me define it for you. A, uh, in Buddhism, a bodhisattva is any person who is on the path towards Buddhahood. Tra- and, and also, let me clarify here. Buddha is not a singular person in Buddhism. Buddha is a state that can be attained. Trains in, in, in and practices to release perfect... Uh, let, me, let me start over. I'm sorry, guys. I'm kind of stumbling on myself. In Buddhism, patience is one of the perfections that a bodhisattva trains in and practices to realize perfect enlightenment, bodhi. That's the term for it. The Buddhist concept for patience is distinct from the English definition of the word. Let's define bodhi. The English term enlightenment is the Western translation of the abstract noun bodhi, the knowledge of knowledge or wisdom or awakened intellect of a Buddha. The verbal root bud means to awaken, and its literal meaning is closer, closer to awakening, although the term bodhi is also used in other Indian philosophies. The Buddhist concept of patience is distinct from the English definition of the word. In Buddhism, patience refers to not returning harm rather than merely enduring a difficult situation. It is the ability to control one's emotions even when being criticized or attacked. In verse 184 of the uh, Dhammapada, it is, that's a, the Dhammapada is a collection, hold on, sorry. Uh, the Dhammapada is a collection of sayings of the Buddha in verse form in one of the most widely read and best-known Buddhist scriptures. The original version of the Dhammapada is the uh, Kudaka Nikaya, a division of the Pali Canon of Theravada and Buddhism. 
It is said that enduring patience is the highest austerity. It's one of the perfections. Let me, let me, uh, the parimatas is the perfections. It's a Buddhist term often translated as perfection. It is described in Buddhist commentaries as noble character qualities generally associated with enlightened beings. Parami or paramita are both terms in Pali and Pali literature make greater reference to parami while Mahayana texts Mahayana texts generally utilize the Sanskrit paramita. Okay, so I didn't. Sorry, let's move on. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so in Buddhism, you see this is one of the perfections, similar to kind of one of the virtues you see in the in the Western idea. It's a it's a it's a it's a part of the path to enlightenment. Now, this path, this idea of the path, exists in all of these religions as well. It's one of the overlaps. There's this idea that there is a right way to go about life. One of the modern conceptions, one of the modern uh, ideas we or ideals we've held on to is this idea that 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 there is no right or wrong way to go about living. That everybody, you know, and and in some ways, like I preach for that too, right? Like it's it's weird. Like I've just like I just said that last episode too. It's like, well, you know, your your perspective is true, right? Live your truth, and that there is. I, I still agree with that as well, but also. It's like it's got to align in some way. There's this, there is this narrow path in which you enact that in the world. There's this narrow path that leads you towards your truth, I guess, right? And that path is defined by these virtues or these perfections. It's like you want to embody those in yourself. That's the best way to go about doing this. It's the only way to perfect. It's the only way to enact what you're supposed to enact in the world, is to embody those perfections or to at least attempt to. You're never going to be able to, right? but you're, you're going to attempt to. And that attempt is what leads you towards your true calling. That's what leads you towards what you're supposed to be doing. You'll find it on that path, on that journey, but you got to start it. You got to treat these things as serious as your work or whatever else you, your, as your studies, you know, you got to treat it as something you have to try at because it takes genuine, real effort and energy so much so that it can take all of your energy sometimes. And you can't, you, you'll feel like you worked out all day, just trying to like deal with some of these ideas, right? Hinduism. Patience and forbearance is considered an essential virtue, essential virtue in Hinduism. In ancient literature of Hinduism, the concept of patience is referred to with the word uh, pari, par, pariksaya, saha, pariksaha. Uh, patience and forbearance is what it means. And several other words such as uh, sahi sutna. I'm going to go ahead and skip the other pronunciation just to spare you guys <laughs> and several others patience in hindu philosophy is the cheerful endurance of trying conditions and the consequence of one's actions and deeds karma it is also the capacity to wait endure opposites such as pain and pleasure cold and heat sorrows and joys calmly without anxiety and without a desire to seek revenge in interpersonal relationships uh virtues td <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i'm so immature uh td td Again, I'm just going to skip over the words and just say there's a word there. Uh, means that if someone attacks or insults without cause, uh, one must endure it without feeling enmity, anger, resentment, or anxiety. The patience, the concept of patience is explained as being more than trust and as a value that reflects the state of one's body and mind. The term pariksaha is sometimes also translated as test or exam in other contexts. Some of these concepts have been carried into the spiritual understanding of yoga. Sandilia, including oneself, will be stronger if, or I'm sorry, of Hinduism identifies 10 sources of patience and forbearance. 
I'm going to skip all of the pronunciations, but there's 10 different words there. In each of these 10 forbearances, uh, the virtue's implicit belief is that our current spirit and the future for everyone, including oneself, will be stronger if these forbearances are one's guide. Each source of these 10 uh, pariksaha, patience and forbearance, are all of these, and they list them, and they have kind of a definition. Um, but there's... Uh, uh, so it's the idea of not being violent to any human being and any living being at any time through one's actions, with words one speaks and writes or in one's thoughts. Um, you should express yourself and act with truth. Uh, you shouldn't covet another's property through any act of one's mind, speech, or body. You should have a willingness to remain a bachelor by one's actions, mind, speech, or body. You should be unconditional. You should have unconditional kindness to everyone and all creatures. You should refuse uh, to deceive or wrong others either by the performance of or by non-performance of actions of one's mind, body, or speech. You should accept the suffering. Well, and forgive all ple pleasant and unpleasant things, such as praise or blows by others. So you should let kind of the things that inflate your ego go. You should let them pass through. Don't hold on to them, uh, is the idea. Uh, and the will to remain calm of mind and spirit during periods of gain or loss of wealth or relatives. So this is the patience they're talking about. It's a deeper idea in patience here, I think, on the Eastern side, right? Is this idea of it's more holistic. It's like, um, it's it, well, it, no, it's not. It's very similar. It's a, it's a faith-based thing. It is it is an understanding, but I think in the eastern on the eastern side, it's more of an understanding of like the symbiotic relate nature of life itself. That there is, you know, you will experience suffering. You can't tamper with those things, right? That you have to be patient when you experience the negative aspects of life because you will experience the positive aspects of life. It is a wave form. There is an up and a down. When you experience the down, you better get happy because you're about to experience an up. Right? You just don't know the time frame. That's where we get caught up. And then also moderation and restraint and consumption of food, drinks, and wealth, right? Gluttony. Uh, and cleansing of the body by earth and water and of the mind of the spirit and, and uh, pursuit of understanding oneself. So this is like the highest order uh, pursuit is understanding oneself and one's true nature. The class, classic literature of Hinduism exists in many Indian languages. Excuse me. <coughs> I tickle my throat. I, tickle in <laughs> I got a tickle in my throat. Jeez. Uh, for example... Written between uh, this book, I can't pronounce it, uh, written between 200 BC and 400 AD, and sometimes called the Tamil Veda, is one of the most cherished classics in Hinduism written in South Indian language. It, too, discusses patience and forbearance. Dedicated chapter 16 of book one to it, uh, it suggests patience is necessary for an ethical life and one's long-term happiness, even if patience is sometimes difficult in the short term. Some of the verse ex excerpts from this book are, our conduct must always foster forbearance. One must patiently endure rude remarks because it delivers us to purity. If we are un unjustly wronged by others, it is best to conquer our hurt with patience, accept suffering, and refrain from unrighteous retaliation. Embrace the fire, right? There is a certain amount of chaos that's inherent in the world. When you run into it, don't try to lash out against it. Don't try to ex exhibit it. Don't try to make it in somebody else, right? Which is what we so often do. We don't want to suffer in silence or alone, so we force people to suffer with us by lashing out at them, right? And having them feel some of our anger. This is all wrathful things, right? Like, this is a wrathful idea. This is, I think, where some of the wrath comes from. It's not one to suffer in silence. It's not wanting to, it's, 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 I also attach to this idea of fairness, and we're going to get to that in a second, I think, but it's a, it's the idea of fairness. Um, let's continue. I'm almost done with this, guys. Sorry, there's a lot of reading today. Um, I hope it's informative. 
One must patiently endure rude remarks because it delivers us to purity. If we are unjustly wronged by others, it is best to conquer our hurt with patience, accept suffering, and refrain from an unrighteous retaliation. It is good to patiently endure injuries done to you, but to forget them is even better. Just as the earth bears those who dig into her, one must with patience bear with those who despise us, and so on. We should not try to eliminate even our greatest enemy. Because that's what causes our downfall. Oh, I love the, the, the spiritual teacher Meher Baba was an Indian spiritual master. Um, he claimed to be an avatar, a God in human form. But let's listen to this real quick. The spiritual teacher Meher Baba stated that one of the first requirements of the spiritual aspirant is that he should combine unfailing enthusiasm with unyielding patience. <laughs> spiritual effort demands not only physical endurance and courage, but also unshrinking forbearance and unassailable moral courage. Mm-hmm. It's true. Philosophical perspective. In human, all too human philosopher Frederick Nietzsche, my favorite, argued that being able to wait is so hard that the greatest poets did not disdain to make the inability to wait the theme of their poetry. <laughs> That's why I love him. He's so funny. Like, like he's one. Of, I think Nietzsche is like one of the most prolific philosophers of all time. He notes that passion will not wait. And gives the example of cases of duels in which the advising friends have to determine whether parties involved might be able to wait a while longer if they cannot when a duel is reasonable because to wait would be to continue suffering the horrible torture of offended honor. I don't know what that means, but we're going to leave it there. That's the other thing is Nietzsche is very hard. To, you have to like chew on his crap for a long time before you get like, oh, yeah. And then that's why he's so brilliant. He's like, oh, my God, there was meaning there. He wasn't just talking out his butt. Everything has meaning that he writes. You just have to like focus on it long enough. It's crazy. Um, all right. So that is patience, guys. That's where it exists in every, all these different religions, right? I just read to you, what, five different examples of them? I'm sure we could find more if we wanted to. Their core fundamental ideas, principles. Each of these religions have those different principles. We're talking about the seven deadly sins and the seven virtues. That's how they exist. They're one of the forms that they exist in Christianity. But in all of these different religions, you're going to find a version of this. And they're going to be similar. They're all similar ideas. Isn't that nuts? Because here's the thing. you got to think about this for a second. These did not develop together. The, the internet is a very recent invention. The telegraph, the telephone, all of those communication methods are very recent. Before that, you literally had to have, like, mail, right? Writing writing something down, you know? And before that, there was, like, there was a lot of commerce or parts of the world that didn't engage with each other until fairly relatively, I mean, relatively recently. What, four or five hundred years ago? So... Especially if you're talking about the East and Western parts of the world, right? There's, I mean, there's debate on how far back, you know, the interactions go, Um but what I find interesting is that there was a lot there's there's a lot of similarities that people I think experienced through the um, the development of philosophy in these different parts of the world that all focused on the same things like pulled out the same evil ideas and pulled out the same good ideas and said hey these are both things you want to avoid and things you want to implement in your life what does that do that defines a path that's the path I'm talking about guys that's the path you want to go down right? Is this is narrow path that you can see. It's the overlap. Like I was saying, there's truth in that, that there's no argument against it. You can even feel it. You could try to sit here on the other side of this mic. If I had somebody sitting here right now to try to argue against any of these, 
complete, like anybody that could try to argue that you want to implement only the sins in your life and exclude only the virtues. There's no way you could do that. So there's something basically true about it. But yet we still find ourselves like pushing back against these ideas because they're attached to these institutions. And, 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 it, and it's such a, it's, 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 it's like a tantrum guys like it's, it's it's a very it's a very childish thing to do because there's there's and i don't mean to like uh, patronize you guys right but like at the same time there is a certain amount of ridiculousness in the way that these ideas have been attacked and deleted from our history our modern our modern culture at least and it's it, not from our history but our culture and, and the way that we've developed this modern thing we need to bring these back there's no denying it there's evidence everywhere and people screaming for it without knowing what they need you know what I mean? Um, and we went down a weird rabbit hole. We started with wrath. We went to impatience. And then we read patience inside of all of these different religions. Now, I wanted to table the idea of um, fairness. Because I think, this is my personal belief, but this is where I think uh, my wrath came from. Now, there's this idea that you'll see in children and it's put there. I don't know if it's, it may be like, a, no, it's put there. I think it's put there. It's, and it's put there intentionally by like parents, right? But it's the idea of fair. And it's because you want your child to act in a fair way, right? So we, we teach our kids from a very young age, hey, act in a fair way. Share your time. Share your things, right? Make sure that you're, you're nurturing this balance, now, one of the problems is in the modern world is there is a way to demonstrate to people that there is another side of that, that there, that, that fairness doesn't extend. Like we have an ability to make certain aspects of life fair and that extends a certain radius around you. You know, and it's like you can maybe you have the ability to maybe make your home somewhat fair, Right. Like if you have three people in your home, you can make it toward everything's divvied up in a somewhat fair manner. You can make the world a fair place from that perspective. You try to zoom out too far, becomes nearly impossible, too complicated. Problem is, is we haven't taught people that part. We haven't taught them that as you zoom out, fairness becomes an idea that's crazy, actually, that's dangerous. Because you can't control the world in that way. Religions are what teach you that. We deleted religions from the Western world. Where do you get it from? You don't get it from school. If your parents aren't telling you that or teaching you that in some form, you don't get it from anywhere. You just continue to believe that the world is going to be a fair place. It's gotten doubled down and, 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 and reemphasized. And I think my generation and the younger generations that come after me, you know, uh, with Generation Z and, and, the, and millennials, and I don't know, maybe Generation X, but it started at some point this idea that we can, we can I think it's, it's been a, a weird transition. There's no delineating lines. It's not like it started now. It's like as people got further away from faith-based institutions, uh, they also lost the ability to explain why the world isn't a fair place and when they lost that ability they stopped they almost like stopped engaging children in that way so it's like hey still act in a fair manner because that's a necessity you need to try you, you you have to be socialized in that way right or else you can't interact 
uh, with the world and you'll be ostracized, you know? So it's like you have to make sure that your child can interact in that basic fair manner, but you also have to illustrate to them that the world isn't a fair place. So it's this weird concept, very complicated concept that's very hard to illustrate to a child if you don't give them metaphors, the metaphors you find in religion, right? You simplify the idea. You simplify it down to a, a place where they can understand it and they can kernelize it and they can hold on to it. Part of the part of the mistake in the religions themselves is they've done a really shitty job of translating that back for adults, right, away from the metaphors because the, the metaphors themselves are not really where the value is. Right, like it's not in the story. It's in it's in like the it's in the underlying idea, the theme. Right, like that's where the value is. And I think a lot of at least the more traditional faiths have done a really shitty job of translating that for people. Now, at the same time, because of that, it's turned a lot of people away because the materialist perspective started to come out, uh, gain ground, and these certain certain way of viewing the world became undeniable. And so it's like, as these two worlds clash, it's like, well, this one's obviously wrong if we have to maintain this one. So you start to delete the religious perspective, the spiritual perspective. The problem is it's too complicated to find where that line is. So you delete the whole fucking thing. You throw everything out. You say, that's not important no more. When it's so incredibly important because let that idea, you know, delete, like I said, delete, delete religion. And you can look, this has been happening over the 30, last 30 or 40 years. I mean, especially young people have been leaving at least the Catholic faith in droves, right? I'm pretty sure every faith has been experiencing this. There's been a reduction in faith and a spike in atheism and materialist worldview. As this happened, we haven't properly identified to people that this is not a fair place. You can't make it fair. You also can't explain it from that perspective. That's why we haven't done it. Materialist worldview has no way of describing why the world has suffering built within it without being nihilistic, without making people depressed and feeling empty, without making them suicidal, or even worse, maniacal, and go out on rampages. We also have spikes of those happening too. Coincidence? I don't think so. The reason I bring up fairness is because I think there's a lot of people out there that think that the world needs to be or should be or is fair. The universe itself has this fair quality, this balance to it. Well, there is a balance, but it's not fair. <laughs> not, not to you, because that's the way people think about it. People think about fairness in terms of their life, their perspective. Problem is, is that makes you the center of the universe, and that's pride. That's the greatest of the sins. That's your ego. Build, 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 build. And as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you get more fearful. <laughs> you run away. You put a mask on your face. It's not a fair place. But if you tell people or let people believe for long enough that it is, they're going to continue to try to ma to, to try to crusade they will develop a crusade to make the world a fair place that's what's happening there's a whole lot of young people crusading to make the world into a fair place as if it's that it should be that that's so dangerous and evil one of the marks of evil is being tricky the devil himself is classified as a trickster he tricks you into doing shit you do it with the best intentions again You're going to get angry. That's what you're going to do. You're going to get wrathful. 
because the world is not a fair place. And the harder and harder you try to push that stone up that hill, the more that's the heavier that stone's going to get and the more it's going to crush you. And the more it crushes you, the more you're going to start to see this smile. I gotcha. He's a trickster. The world is being tricked right now. This is a very important time. I think we're about to experience a spike in wrath. This coronavirus thing, I'm going to try to make this a little more practical because I have been really talking today in these last three days. This is crazy. Everything that's happened over the last three or four months, there's been a lot of loss of freedom, guys. A lot of loss of freedom. There's been a spike in fear. And the world now appears to be a much... What the, one of those natural things, that the unfairness of the natural world is, is becoming blatantly apparent right now. Now take everything I just said in context. With that. The world looks like a real unfair place right now, but we have a whole bunch of people that think that it is basically or should be basically fair. I think those people have been trying to push the rock up the hill for a while. And I think they're getting tired. I think they're starting to get crushed. And I think they're going to get angry. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think we have a choice, all of us do right now, on whether we face the world for what it is, an unfair place with suffering and death inherent in it, We embrace that fire, that chaos, and we do our best. We strive forward. We do our best to try to make it, to try to live out our truth by following the path that's out, that's laid out here. If each of us do that, please, I don't know. I still cannot find anybody that can describe me a more practical way to make the world a better place. Not a perfect place, but a better place. People will bring up examples of the Crusades and all these other horrible things that have happened uh, with religions throughout history. Sure, they also were confined. They couldn't communicate to each other in the way we can today. A lot of things have changed, man. I can talk to somebody right now in the Middle East or over in Russia or in South America or in Antarctica, for Christ's sake, if I want to. They couldn't do that in the 1300s. (laughs) You know what I mean? You can't relate to people that you can't communicate with. So when those people threaten you or they present you with a different perspective that maybe on the surface looks different than yours, how do you react? <sighs> Not in a good way. It makes sense, guys. Like these are, there's an evolution to this stuff, right? Things horrible things have been done in the name of religion in the past over and over again. And I guarantee you will be done over and over again in the future. There's, there's bad actors in the system. There's people that want power. There's people that are going to use power in whatever way they find it. And they're going to use it in negative ways because they're wrapped up in all of these negative uh, characteristics. They're allowing these things to control them. And so they're going to use power and anything, greed. They're going to lust for everything. 
They're going to think they deserve it as well. You're not wrong for feeling angry. This is something I've had to come to terms with. Separate these ideas. And it's something that I'm kind of working through right now as we read this a little bit. Wrath and anger are different things. It's not a sin to be angry. It's not wrong to feel angry. It's in some ways, you know, there are times when you can feel completely justified in it. Now, acting on that anger trying to level or even the scales yourself, trying to act as the hand of justice yourself, that is a sin. Trying to inflict harm on other people as if you are the person that can glean what would be proper judgment. It's audacious. Love of justice perverted to revenge and spite. Yeah. I gotta say, I see this in, like, I think there's a lot of examples uh, of this in, like, the Me Too movement. And I don't mean to, like, disparage any women out there or their accusations or anything they've gone through. There's been a whole lot of horrible things that we've learned that have been going on behind the scenes that we needed to learn about, that we need to know about, and need to stop. Good on them for speaking out. Speaking their truth. At the same time, there was a perversion of that. You could see happen as it happened. And it was this, love of justice perverted to revenge and spite. There's hunting down of people. This like systematic of deleting people from the world that happened in that movement. Now, I'm not saying that any of the people, the men or that were accused or stuff, shouldn't have been punished. I don't know if they should or not. I, I do think that we have systems set up to, to try to implement that in, in whatever systematic way possible so that we try to avoid these evil tripping points. That's why we have the system in place, because it's very hard to. If we just let everybody run around and divvy out justice, then we'd have the Wild West. We need some kind of alignment. We, we need some kind of reining in of ourselves. So we have the justice system. And we, need, we let that, we believe in that. Even though it's not perfect, we believe in that. And we trust that and we let that run its course. But we've also figured out a way around that. It's called the media. And you can delete people now. It's called, you know, social media. You can effectively eliminate people and their ability to make an income. You can destroy their lives in a click. And because of that, people have seized that power. That power is available now. You can, and they've seized that power and they've used it arbitrarily to take out their enemies in a wrathful way. It's a sinful act. It's a destructive act. The male and the, the male and feminine, you know, concept in the religious context, I think has um, it's two sides of the same coin, you know, two versions of the same being human. 
but also like a mirror image of the opposite. You know, I mean, they're mirror images of each other. The failings of one is the, the shortcomings of one is the, is the strengths of another. Now, by through combining this, you create something stronger. And there's some kind of individuality to that as well. It's not purely, you know, just you're not just your sex or your gender, right? Obviously, there's a lot of debate around this too, right? I don't think we really need to get into it right now. Maybe at some point, but um, but this idea, this idea of balance, there, this idea of imp- imperfection. Any one piece of that is a half of a whole. It's imperfect. But in combining it, you make something better. Something closer to that purity you're looking for. And I think one of the things you see is, at least especially in like mythology, even before, you know, like Christianity, all these, you see this idea of the, you know, the male as this kind of um, bringer of order. And you have this the feminine more connected to nature in a way you know mother nature you hear this all the time right because i think mother nature is, has this nurturing quality to it you know it's what births the human being you know what i mean it's it's what births everything is this mother earth you know so this idea of like of, of providing for and, and and sustaining something is very feminine there's also a negative side to that as well which is kind of the destructive nature of nature itself right that i've explained this now in the male you have like this idea of the order bringer right and the the problem with that as well is it, it attaches in many ways to pride all of these downfalls right it can it attaches in many ways to confusing oneself with god like all of the biggest sins in a way you know what I mean? Like it, and, and I'm not trying to make like I'm not trying to make one side or the other look worse, but I'm trying to say that each of our we each have like like each gender has this kind of like defined shortcomings and purpose to it, right? Like it, it's just very fundamental, and that it's hard to bridge these. And there's times throughout history when, uh, and a lot of this has been male dominant from the modern conception of history. It looks like this is what the this is what the liberal perspective would say that the patriarchy has has kind of ruled over and and dominated women in a way that's been very, I would say, unfair. Right now, I think there's been like an overreaction to that as well that we're experiencing in the modern day. But what it's demonstrating is the shortcomings of each of the sexes, <laughs> right? Is that there is no right and wrong. I see so much, especially in the feminist argument, this idea that like we've identified the problem, it's men. It's like, <laughs> that is so simple and wrong, it's not even funny. You can go about believing that, but you're going to continue to destruct yourself as you've done throughout history. This is what the third or fourth resurgence of feminism, with fourth wave feminism, whatever the hell it's called. There'll be a fifth and a sixth and a seventh and a ninth too, because it's it's wrong fundamentally. <laughs> like, there isn't the problem isn't men. Also, the problem isn't women. Also, you can't define what the problem is. It's not that simple. Also, that's very audacious. The fact that you tried to, <laughs> and then the fact that you tried to enact it in the world is evil. So watch yourself. See what I'm saying? We need to watch how we enact things in the world, why we do things. Are you doing it from a place of revenge? You know, 
I would argue, and I've argued for a long time, that we've perverted the justice system into a revenge system. Into a system of giving even, of a system of making something fair. Now, Justin is about, in some ways, evening the scales, but I don't think it's about fairness. Because fairness denotes that we know what would be even. All of us do. We could, and, and it's too complicated. So it's like justice is not, isn't necessarily fair. It's uh, justice is just something like proper alignment. Okay, that's proper. Yeah. It's almost like justice is the is the point where no side gets satisfaction. It's not about winning. It's about balancing. See, like you see what I'm saying? Like it's 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 a. It, <laughs> And we've perverted that into a winning system, into a revenge system, into not balancing, into making things fair from our perspective, which is going to be always be unbalanced because it makes you the center of the universe, makes everybody lesser. We have perverted the justice system in a way. I'm going all over the place, guys. I have like these last three days have been crazy. I don't know why I'm like, I am just. I feel prolific right now. I just feel like I need to get ideas out. For me, I went everywhere with this wrath one, but for me, like I said, I've, I've, it's something that I've really struggled with, and I feel like I've gotten a better balance over and a better handle of. And I think honestly, this is this idea of, of kind of separating wrath and anger from itself as conceptions and, and dealing with one and not the other and trying to avoid the other is a good idea. Not to run from anger because that's a dangerous thing as well. It'll come out in nasty ways, right? Most people would say, "You just don't be angry." No, you're going to be angry. You're going to get angry. Everybody's going to get angry. It's a natural human emotion. It's like, do you have to pee? You're going to have to pee. You know what I mean? The world isn't fair. You're going to run into things that make you angry. It doesn't mean that you should make the world a fair place. <laughs> you shouldn't run out there and try to make it fair because somebody did you wrong. No. That's a, That's so dangerous. Don't play with that idea for too long. Right? You'll become wrathful. You'll try it because you're going to, the world will not become a fair place for you. You are not that important. Right? And the more you realize that, the more you're going to double down. And you'll, you will become wrathful. You'll hate the world for how unfair it is. And you'll want to see its destruction because of it. It's not a fun path. Anyway. Like I said, I think one of the ways that you, let's, let's look at the, uh, Seven virtues, right? I think patience is a good one to focus on, as we talked about at the beginning. You know, like, like I said, I'm a very impatient person. It leads me down all this road. This is what will always get me back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is I like, I, I, I'm very impatient. I think things need to be done now. And that also leads me to this pride. It is, there's this ego in it. It's my ego. Because it does. That's my center of the universe problem. Yeah, I gotta ask myself, why do I think things need to be now? Why? Because you think you're more important than everybody else, huh? That's exactly why. Right? It's like, you see how you have to check yourself all the time? You'll trip into these things. The evil one, the idea of the evil one, this like, this evil path is tricky, man. It's so easy to fall into. All right, so let's look. We're on wrath, right? Yeah. The virtue is patience. Patience is the ability to endure difficult circumstances such as perseverance in the face of delay. Tolerance or provocation without responding in annoyance slash anger or forbearance when under strain, especially when faced with longer term difficulties. Yeah. Patience is the level of endurance one can have before negativity. It is also used to refer to the character trait of being steadfast. 
Antonyms include hastiness and impetus. Impetusness. Sorry, guys. I'm looking at this. Uh, I'll, I'll patience for you. It's an engraving. Uh, I'll, I'll patience this. I'll uh, I'll put this up for you. But it's an engraving of a. Uh, it's an image of a man or an angel. Uh, it looks like it's a. That's an engraving. Uh, anyway, he's an angel sitting on like a pillar, and uh, holding a lamb, like kind of, like hugging the lamb. And above, above the angel is uh, paciencia which I'm sure is patience. And then there's, you know, two, two uh, angels above him or baby angels, right? You know, uh, with like a, a crown, holding like a, a crown of leaves. or kind of, and, and the devil, though, is right next to him, kind of looking up longingly <laughs> uh, at, at this angel in, 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 a, in a tempting way. Like, just come on, come on, come on. Let's do it, come on. Don't wait, don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. You know, you know what I mean? Like this. It's this, it's this itching, this nagging. Ah, anyway, I just found that incredibly cool. Anyway, so um, guys, I think the point is like, if you're an impatient person, and I understand it, trust me, that's my, this is my biggest problem. I'm so impatient, and I have to work on it every day. But um, recognize how it leads down to wrath and these other things, you know. When you act on that, there's this, you know, I want to bring this up because I almost missed this, but one of the problems, and you'll notice this, and all of these, all of these, um, all of these sins is there's this part where it feels good to give into it, but it's so fleeting. There's this reward to it. It's very, very in the moment, right? But when you're, when you're angry and you let yourself go, you feel like this. It feels good in a weird way. You know what I mean? And same thing, I think, if you were to go to sloth and greed and gluttony and lust initially, when you're sitting there and you're chowing down on a freaking pizza and you're like six slices in and you're getting that full feeling, but you're not feeling over full yet. And you're just like, hell yeah, let's keep going. This taste, this taste, this tastes so good. That kind of shit. You know what I mean? I mean, all this, you just let yourself go. It feels good. Lust is a really good example of this. You can like sit there in that desire and just like like stewing it, you know what I mean? And like try to feed off of it like a freaking vampire almost, you know what I mean? Like you try to get energy off of it and you just slowly degrade. It's this, it's, it's on all of these. It feels good. It tempts you with that feeling. Wrath feels good too. And people don't like to associate that. When you let go, when you lose yourself in anger, that's why people do it because it's like, it's like a release. And that's, and that's what's so dangerous about it right? Like you have to be so careful with yourself. If you're somebody that is very impatient, right? Or that like gets, gets into these kind of modes where you notice yourself being really quick to anger and temper. You, you need to figure out a way to temper that, talk to somebody, whatever it is, right? But figure out where that's coming from and you need to release that. Whatever that energy is, you got to get that out of you because it will lead you to do something bad, man. I'm telling you, wrath is not a good thing. It's a lot of people's downfall. And like I said, I think we really need to watch it right now because of everything that's going on. When people see the kind of freedom they lost and when they also put together that some, a lot of this might be unwarranted, they're going to lose their minds, guys, because it's not fair. <laughs> you see what I'm saying, right? So 
let's try to deal with this before we get to that point, I guess, right? Like, like, let's try to make sure that each of us, if you're listening to this podcast, is dealing with with whatever wrath they feel towards the world and everybody else or whatever wrath, thing, whatever it's coming from. But if you do feel this way, like deal with it, that impatience. Try to in, enact in your in your life a, 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 a you know, it's, it's, it, this is a thorny path one. Like it's really, if you're in, it's a really hard one to deal with. Like I struggle with this so much because it's literally, if you're somebody like me, that's motivated, that wants to go, go, go. Like that's how I, I mean, I have got, I've got so much energy. If you couldn't tell, like, it's just, I, I gotta go. The hardest thing for me to do is to stop. I feel like I need to go, go, go. I just keep go, 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 you know? And, and, and it is my downfall every single time. Because I'll push things, I'll get angry when things, other people or other things don't move so fast. And I'll get real audacious and I'll get prideful too. My ego will start to inflate and I'll start to say things I don't mean. Right? This is how it, this is, this is, I'll start to lash out at people. This is how it comes out in me. Now, everybody's going to be different, right? But if you're experiencing some kind of wrath, there's going to be some kind of chain there that leads you to it. That the more you let it happen, the more you let your, yourself lose control and give into that good feeling the quicker that chain reaction is going to happen it's like a muscle memory thing you'll go right through it real quick and it can be incredibly destructive not only not only to like the world itself right you can be incredibly destructive to other people but you can be it's indestructive to your life self-destructive behavior if you have a self-destructive tendency you probably get angry a lot or there's maybe something like this going on because you, you will push people away. People will not deal with wrath constantly. It's too much intensity, man. It's too much to be around. It really is. And so people will back away. And you will notice yourself just becoming alone very slowly. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> Instead, choose the thorny path. Sit in that uncomfortable feeling. It's going to make you squirm, but it'll go, you'll, you'll get better at it. You know what I mean? The more you do it and you grit your teeth and, and know that you are doing something that is virtuous, that is righteous. And you focus on that and you have kind of faith that that will lead you to where you need to be. I promise you, you will not be led astray. I promise you that. Things will not get worse. If you enact that, if you enact patience in your life, they will not get worse. Nothing truer than that. And with that, guys, that's the Unfunded Podcast. I think we're done again. That's three hours and three days. We are, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is this is good. I, I really am fascinated with the topic. Like I said, incredibly relevant every day. And I really hope that, you know, we can, I, I think that this is a trend. I think you're going to start to see a spirituality spike around the world. And then in the preceding years, we'll see. I might be wrong. Anyway, um, please stay safe out there. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, like, share, and subscribe. If you know anybody that would like it, please share it with them. And I will be talking to you probably pretty soon if uh, things stay the way they've been going. <laughs> so uh, I will... bye-bye. <laughs>